Thank you for joining us for Married at First Sight, season 15, episode 11, Back to Our Future. We jump in right where we left off. Justin outside, Alexis joins him after their heated conversation in front of the group. She says, I don't get how we got here. In that quick of a moment of me just not having anything to say. And I feel like this whole conversation turned into her just being really aloof about the whole situation. How could that possibly be taken wrong? She just had nothing to say. I think Alexis is too smart to not know what the cause of this was. She's so smart. And we always get examples of how smart. Like her letter was so good. It was written beautifully and she's creative. She knows what her body language and vibes are. So at this point, Alexis already knows that Justin is fairly sensitive. We're doing the round table. We discussed this last time already, but you saying I have nothing to say because it's going to possibly upset my husband is already going to cause your husband to be hurt in some way. I think now we were kind of predicting this as we were watching the show. Alexis has already mentioned it. She's kind of like on the fence about Justin's level of sensitivity. Like she's never dated someone like this sensitive. I think more likely it's more likely that she, this will end their relationship. Like he's too, he's just way too sensitive for her, which leads to sort of like arguments or like, you know, she calls him like, like his kind of like blow ups or he like, like can't control himself. And I think this will sort of be the beginnings of their downfall. Well, I think she's going to say that, but her, this weird attitude where I can never even fully tell what they're arguing about. That's going to play a big, big factor in it. It's almost once she sees his reaction She just pulls away and is like, nope, that's not how it was. That's in your head. In the end, after lots of babies, how? Baby, explain this to me. Baby. She says, I was chilling. I don't want this to be a big thing. And they move on. So is that her way of saying, shut the fuck up. Let's move on to the next thing. Basically. After this, they show random footage of couples dates, KBB, delicious. But here's where you can see some timeline fraud happening. Fraudacity. Morgan is walking around with that burger that she had in the exact same outfit. So we know it was taken from the same scene as her talking to her friend and trying to get advice like four episodes ago. Well, we were talking about this earlier. We're like, this show is so now mind you, we love the show, but the show is so drawn out that it feels like five episodes ago, but it was really like two. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Then we have the classic guys and girls conversation. We immediately start with the guys. Ben is fully admitting his fault, going behind Morgan's back, talking to Justin, lying about it. The same story. All the guys agree that he should have the freedom to talk to someone if he wants. It's a unique experience. I don't understand how Alexis, or excuse me, Morgan is so strong about Ben not talking to someone, given the fact that they're in such a unique situation. In Ben's mind, he's probably trying to get, I mean, Sorry to admit it, but like another man's experience of like maybe how he's going through things, how he's dealing with it. And I I feel like in this specific experience, he should have the room to talk to somebody. What is she so scared about coming out? I don't even honestly, since the nurse thing, I I bet you she hasn't shared or even felt comfortable sharing Uh, anything much deeper. Like there's probably nothing. That's probably it. Honestly. Is she just holding so much weight to a venting session? I feel like when you vent with your friends, you always know you need to take it with like a little bit of grain of salt. What's that saying when everyone says this is the hill I'll die on or whatever? It's like Morgan (laughs) has started this and she's like, I cannot turn around. 
Well, like, she's on the hill. She shoved Ben off. She's like, putting her yeah. flag in. She's like, like I'm not. It. I'm not walking it back. I'm fucking here for the the whole ride <laughs> to make him miserable, not to make the marriage work. I wonder if folks online have been, you know, they've been on the fence to like Team Ben or Team Morgan. And honestly, just from watching this show and episode by episode, I feel like it's getting worse and worse for Morgan. I yeah, totally. Because even I, not a Ben fan. Still had her back during the nurse situation when he kind of came at her with the family shit. Not now. I can't. I cannot defend you treating someone like this. We'll talk about their scenes in a little bit. But, man, the way she's treating Ben now is is not cool. So Morgan starts off the conversation with the girls by sharing intimate details of her marriage. How ironic. Morgan keeps wanting a parade, a pat on the back because she, Cody Airfingers, took Ben back. She never took him back. It was, she was always mad at him. She never let him back in again. I don't see how she thinks that she has made this amazing progress. It's one of those things you, you basically say it to make yourself believe it. Yeah, I, I can see that. After a long drawn out explanation of what's going on, she says, so we are separated. I have moved out. How brave, Morgan, you left when it got rough. How brave. This is oddly dramatic. Okay, I'm torn on this. At this point, we're just over a month into this. They've only known each other for a month. I know they're on this show and the goal is to stay married or go through the process. But in reality, like if things aren't working and you're not progressing towards really loving a person, it's not going to work. And there is little incentive to keep going. She's not only not progressing, well, I should say them as a couple. They are right. not progressing, but she doesn't want it to. So, which, okay, you say we're separated and you've left. I'm like, what, what's stopping you from just saying, like, okay, let's just fuck this. Let's just quit. Like, what are we doing? The fine for not finishing the show is my thought. But you think in some way the show, it sort of creates drama like a couple has called it quits dun 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 you know four remain or whatever like and even ben like what ben's going through i mean at some point like ben's sort of getting like mentally attacked like yeah you know he might need to just say i quit just for his own you know and then it gets weird with the show like you're saying like yo i'm I'm feeling like mental like abuse like i need to end this show like could they really find you because you're like i'll fucking sue i'll fucking sue your ass (laughs) Well, I mean, they have all these mental health professionals on deck, but we just can never see them, apparently. They cannot be utilized, but they're there. Remember what Dr. Pepper and Pastor Cal said last season? We're always watching. We're constantly reviewing footage. Well, That's a lie. Are we are we labeling them as you know, mental health experts or relationship experts? I would say Dr. Pepper is a mental health expert. I don't know her credentials off the top, so I can't say that definitively, but my boy needs some help. We'll get to it, but they got the shittiest advice almost in the history of this show. Awful. Going back just a bit, Stasha asks Morgan if Ben is fighting for their marriage. Asks if he is reaching out at all. And she says, no, nothing. It has been a radio silence. So you you have a theory about this. Morgan is the type of woman to block you on everything and then blame you for not reaching out. Like, how dare you fail to get to me? Yeah. (laughs) And... This is exactly what Alexa said in the beginning, but she's open about it at least. And she knows that about herself. She at least said, I will block you on everything, but I expect you to email me then. She's like, I need, <laughs> Which car- I support I need carrier pigeon. <laughs> I need you at my door, something. But Morgan doesn't tell you that. Right. She just is like, well, nope, you've not tried, but I blocked you on everything. 
So a little bit, little bit more props to Alexis. You are giving me a face right now. <laughs> uh, it's just really weird energy from Morgan. I mean, it's not mature at all. Then we get this super corny scene. Kristen stands up and says, well, do you guys want to go over there? I'll go with you. And all the girls stand up and shout, yay. So, so, so we're pretending that production didn't say, okay, gals, you all get over there and have a chat. All right, guys, you get over there, have a chat, and um, we'll meet up later. Yeah, it, I hated it. If someone asked me this and all the girls were like, yeah, I would have been like. They're like, Kristen, stand up and command. We're going over there. <laughs> I would have just been like, okay. Like, I'm not, there's nothing to cheer about. Morgan says, if this isn't girl power, I don't know what is. No, no, don't. Yeah, don't compare yourself to some scene out of the fucking Avengers. Stop it. <laughs> We're on fucking Married at First Sight. This is no Miss Marvel. Yeah, calm it no. down. When they finally all get together, Miguel asks, what is the lie? We all want to know, finally, the question. The lie is essentially him going to Justin and then lying about it. That is the lie. So it's one lie that's, I take it, happened multiple times. You, you were saying, what if Ben had like cheated on her? Like, what Oh would, my God. What would be happening right now? I could not even imagine. Can like, you, just anything, not even just cheating. That's just where my mind went first. But can you imagine anything more than just venting to a friend? Anything. So I vented to my friend who's in our unique situation and I didn't tell you. I'm sorry. And this well, is no, he huge... said that he didn't. Well, he said, yeah, right. He, he lied about it. Right? Yeah. He said, yeah. The fact that this is a huge blow up is that, like, part of me is thinking it's a fucking joke. Like, Ben's got to call it quits. I mean, seeing her reaction, do we blame him for lying? Eh. You think he's living like fear? Like, I cannot tell her. Okay, when he was sitting on the couch and she stomped on in with her letter that was not written, he kind of seems like someone that's, like, scared of her. I think you're, I think you're on something. Yeah. Then we get to Nate, and he bluntly asks, what's up with the hostility? I know her pits got spicy. I do like that Nate presents herself as like very cool, calm, and collected, and he's basically like, can you check yourself right now? Nate mentions that all he is seeing is Morgan being pissed off all the time, and if that's all he is seeing, I can't imagine what Ben is seeing. I'm curious what has happened that hasn't even been on the show, not on the not on the apartment cams, not on the show, maybe text messages that are exchanged. In my head, she's thrown something. Maybe it. Well, in her storyline, it's more likely she punched something, <laughs> like versus you know throwing something. I don't know. Okay, she probably hasn't even done that. But in my head, it's just spiraling. Like she's going off the deep end. In my head, she, I'm sure she, she punched. Hasn't. She punched the door. Put a hole in the door. Oh my god, that'd be such good TV. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Just a big asshole yeah. in the door. No, in the bedroom door. Yeah. We're Ben retreated. <laughs> and then they pan to the hole and they can see Ben through the hole in the door and he's just like sad sitting on the bed. Oh my god. <laughs> Morgan also tells the group, I needed him to be on my side and have my back. What does that mean in relation to the lie and the argument? Are we just saying things to say things now? I'm still lost even though they revealed the lie this episode. Ben reveals that he signed up for therapy today. I immediately tweeted something on this. Is anyone else thinking he's not the only one that needs to go to therapy? Well, obviously, Merck needs to as well. I'm curious, why don't they do joint sessions? That's what the experts are here for, but they just don't, they just don't do it. It seems like some folks need a lot more help than others. And the fact that he's 
basically going outside this show to seek his own therapy. I'm just I'm just curious why Morgan thinks she needs no help at all. No, she said she's healed. She's over it. She's over everything. Clearly, it's super healthy when someone does one wrong thing to just cut them out yeah, of your you, life. You, if you wrong me, I'm done. I'm like, that's weird. You don't forgive? Like, that's not good. Then as a side note, when Lindy is talking about how they're in separate parts of their life, she says that Ben basically needs to figure it out. I don't think Lindy is the one to talk here. She needs to figure herself out. It seems like Lindy's still discovering herself, so I don't know Very what she's Very much so, so about. let's not have the strong of opinion on another couple. Now, in Ben and Morgan's time with Dr. Pepper, I felt it was useless. They got no tools to deal with their problems. They didn't have to be uncomfortable with each other. We didn't have to have Morgan expanding on her feelings or explaining her anger. It was an absolute useless session. I know in previous seasons, sometimes they'll actually say, like, I've watched the video of X or I saw the blow up. Can I can you walk me through the emotions that are going through? Like what caused this? What is happening? There was no I felt like no deep analysis to why they're in such a rough situation. There is absolutely no way that Dr. Pepper has seen the footage of everything that has happened. And this is your response. No way. Her exercise for them is just something they do on the show every season for every couple, no matter how good or bad they're doing. Yeah, they essentially have to write their young younger self a letter. So I, I'm curious, was Ben's letter supposed to say, uh, warning, you're going to meet this lady. Don't do it. <laughs> oh my God, I wish his letter was something like that. <laughs> oh how good. Yeah, I'll go first. I'll be some good fucking television. <laughs> Get me on maths just so I can meet this lady. Uh, You might want to go the other way. Don't sign up for Married at First Sight. Just keep going. You'll be fine. That would be be savage if you did that. (laughs) And then I would close my letter and smile. Okay, this is what I was thinking when folks started reading their letters. It's a show. We know they've done multiple takes for certain scenes. Oh, yeah. so, So I'm curious. Even us recording this podcast, right? We stumble our words. We're human. For them on a live shoot, there's cameras, there's producers, a bunch yeah. of people. Okay, read this letter you wrote. Mind you, it's, it may be good or bad English. You're reading, so you're probably stumbling your words. I'm curious, when you view that scene, how many times was that letter being read actually shot? Like, imagine Miguel listening to Lindy, and this is like the 10th time he's like heard the letter, and he's like, it has to be like his first, like pretend it's your first time, re- you know, listening to it. Well, also, this show is notorious for only having one person in a shot. You can tell there's multiple cameras in a room and each person almost has their own camera. So that probably makes their editing a lot easier because they can just take the best shots mm. of however many times the scene happened. Not, not fans it all of wide together. shots. Yeah, no. not fans of wide shots. Oh man, on decision day, it's so it's noticeable. Nothing's authentic about Decision Day. It's because they're trying to catch all these reaction faces and like, let's just get that video and then we'll stitch together. Yep. And it's never even in reaction to what is being said. The negative there is because they don't use a wide shot. You can't see the real time. I just said something. What's your immediate expression? Because that's how hard they edit these storylines. Later in the episode, we see Morgan enter the apartment and Ben kind of... I feel like he was not taken aback, but almost like shocked to see her. Like he kind of like stood up straight and put his book away. And I don't know. I just don't like the vibe of having to walk on eggshells and be insecure around someone. Even if you're not getting along with them, you shouldn't adjust yourself a bunch to be in the same room with them. I have two questions for you. Do you think Ben and Morgan are going to make it to decision day? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, 
As far as do you think they called it quits before decision day? I'll have a follow-up question to that, but I'll ask it after. I do think they make it to decision day, but I really wish there was some sort of, I don't want to, not repercussion, but something that is done on the show if your partner just isn't working with you. What happens in that situation? Does your decision day come early? Do they have to go through certain hoops to not live at the apartment? Or do they just get to go along with the show even though everyone else has to stay together? If that's the case, they probably have to do the... The filming that's kind of planned, you can kind of always tell there's certain scenes that are played out, whether it's like dinner or some kind of event. This is what I want to happen. Probably not going to happen. I don't want them to make it through decision day. You know, we believe in love, but it it just ain't working for this this couple. And I really think Ben's got to do it. I think Morgan's just kind of bullshit her way till the end, which I don't know why. I don't want it to go to decision day. I want him to make the decision work on himself, maybe get some maturity and live his life. Don't, no one deserves to just be punished forever for one thing that happened. Morgan enters the apartment. They're sitting on the couch together. She says, do you want to go first? Fucking brutal. Planned. I hate it. I hate seeing this happen. I do have a theory about this. Okay. As far as Ben's letter, people feel he should have used, or maybe this is what Dr. Pepper kind of planned. He should have used the letter to in some way talk to Morgan as far as like through his past self of like ways you can improve to help you in your current situation. I get that. But honestly, I don't think I would do that. I'm like, this is a shitty situation. Like, fuck her. Like, I'm just going to I'm like give, give my younger self some tips. Also, my theory, she didn't write no fucking letter. Oh, that's funny. There was no, no fucking letter written. She did not. You know what the letter was? Fuck you. <laughs> There's nothing in that book. <laughs> she shows up. Oh, we needed a letter? Really? You want to go first? <laughs> really? I just um, I just don't feel comfortable sharing. <laughs> I would have lost my shit. Oh, how convenient! <laughs> I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna leave now. <laughs> Been just sitting there with a big smile. You didn't write a letter, did you? She's like, nah. <laughs> nah. Honestly, I would crack up. I would feel better about that than what happened. Like, just tell me. Like, come on. So in the letter, Ben states, "You're loved even when you question it." Try to understand the pressure from your parents. You are more than your grades and your accolades. You are good enough. Love every moment you are alive and never take it for granted. Now, I fully see what you mean and what the other people have said online. If he could have used this to talk to Morgan and related things reflected, I think that would have been the best way to go about it. But one, I do think he's pretty immature and I don't even know if he would have made that connection on his own. Mm -hmm. And two... I think he's so scared of her. <laughs> like, he's just trying to do the assignment. I don't even know if he's trying to win her back. I think he's just trying to make it through to decision day. I think some part of Ben is also trying to, he's trying to represent himself in the best way he can given the situation. But that scene when Morgan leaves and he kind of walks into the bedroom area, I just envision mentally he's just thinking he's like, fuck this shit. Like I'm fucking over this. Yeah. Any final thoughts on them? I, I have nothing. <laughs> I No, I mean, it's kind of a bummer that it's turning out this way. Um, I really want them to split for their own kind of like health and like better themselves and just kind of work on things. Then Nate and Stasha meet with Dr. Pepper. This is one of my favorite low key lines of the entire episode. And I don't think anyone caught it. When he's sitting down with Dr. Pepper, he says, the last time you saw me, I was single in my studio. 
This man has not seen Dr. Pepper since before he got married. So that's five to six weeks? Yes. Where are the experts? I'm shocked. Where are the experts? These people are floundering out here. This couple is doing pretty good. They've had like very small ups and downs. But you still need to give them that time. If you're really trying to invest in this experiment and have it work, like you need professionals to help. Also, why not just follow the path that the show is supposed to take, that they say they do. They're always there supporting them. You never see it. The scene you have not seen in this season, you know when folks talk to Pastor Cal sometimes, like on their phones? I don't think I've ever seen that this season. No, we've seen none of that. They talk to Dr. Pepper about Nate listening and asking good questions, opening up, but I feel like he does this so well already. Like, he's really ahead of... Many people on this show, I feel like. I don't think he gets enough credit for how much he is trying to open up. I think it's because the way Nate opens up, he's always sort of chill about it. It's not like this big emotional thing. So almost like you don't feel the weight of what he's sharing because he's just so calm about it. Like even, even when he's talking about uh, you know being with his dad and like being, you know, you know, just them kind of on their own it was kind of a heavy moment of of things he's sharing but he's saying it in such a cool way that it's like it was not easy a lot of these folks they have like you know they're growing growing up was not easy for them like just like any kid they had sex yeah dr pepper asked the question so they're doing fine in that department again real casual about it they didn't even mention it they had to be asked (laughs) so stasha's letter to herself she says you are shy You don't always fit in. You will get picked on, but that's part of growing up. Stay strong. You will start challenging authority, but not in a bad way. You will be surprised at what the future has in store. I could see Stasha being that person that's like, why do we do it that way? Like, why have we, why? Oh, you know, that's that's her like challenging authority. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I could see it from the back of the room. (laughs) Also, I would have imagined that she would be with the in crowd. She was not. I would have thought so as well. But hey, that propelled her. Look at her now. Yeah. Half a million dollars a year. Killing it. Dominating. Then we have Nate's letter to himself. He says, Embrace your unique talents. Choose your hobbies. Control your temper. It's not healthy. Snap out of your introverted self. You are smart. You have the ability to bend the universe and command it. Listen to your inner voice when there is chaos. I'm already proud of you. Oh, I love when people said that they were proud of their younger selves. No. So sweet. It's probably because you, you you feel your younger self needed to hear that. Yeah, exactly. That's all you probably wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So Nate is so so Nate is showing Stasha his childhood home and dad joins them. I'm assuming he still lives there or at least in the very, neighborhood. Very close. He's like, "Oh yeah, I just I just moved down the street." Did you notice that he still stands in parade rest? Yep. Like casually. So for folks that, you know, don't have people in the military family or whatever, or weren't in the military, parade rest is basically your feet are shoulder width apart and your hands are sort of behind you, almost almost like um one on top of the other, but your your palms face up. And if you rewatch the scene, Nate's dad's standing up parade rest the entire time. Yep. It's cute. I mean, he did retire military. I mean, he, was probably, so. he was probably in more than twenty years. Yeah. This conversation gets really emotional. Nate's dad starts talking about being a single dad, what he had to go through, and Nate talks about how proud he was. 
I loved the conversation. It seems like this is something that Nate and his dad needed to tell each other. And they're both so stoic and they both don't talk about their feelings. So it was really nice to see them basically tell each other they're proud of them. A lot of father and sons don't have these conversations, right? They don't get sentimental or even appreciate what each other has done, right? The the father, you know, being proud of their kids and the kids sort of saying, you know, thank you for what you did for us. It was so sweet to see everyone starts tearing up and Stosh is wiping her nose on Nate's shirt and I couldn't, why? Why? That's so gross. I could not focus on anything happening if I saw that happening in front of me. Is there a reason she couldn't just use her finger? Like That's what I'm saying. Just anything but leaning over and being like, hey, give me that shirt in front of your father-in-law. It just took me out of the moment. Then we see Stasha's neighborhood, and we find out that she would sew, make, and sell jean purses. She would even take them to the mall to get them embroidered with her client's name. She's like, this purse has your fucking name on it. That's a hustle. For sure. So, middle school Ellie had a hustle as well. Iron on t-shirts with your favorite boy band with your name on it. How much did those go for? Well, I made them for my friends for free for like their oh, birthday. okay. There you go. And then, and then I sold them for like 10, 15 bucks. I don't even remember how well, much. Well, I did it was, not have a side hustle when I, I was a kid. I have no idea how I got. Oh, I probably got into it because I made one for myself and everyone loved it. Mm-hmm. So I would make like B2K shirts. Oh, dear God. <laughs> My side hustle was me working with my dad on the weekend, fucking landscaping and getting paid in like lunch. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you worked like your entire life, though. From the moment you legally could work, you worked. Oh, for sure. I'm not saying it was hard work either. Like I worked at McDonald's. So that was <laughs> dope as fun. fuck. That was dope as fuck. <laughs> Every kid should fucking work at like fast food service industry. You're still ride or die for McDonald's. Hell yeah. You had such a good experience. Hell yeah. <laughs> fucking tried the chicken Big Mac. Let's go. Okay, so it sounds like that's going to be rolling out soon, guys. We had it in Rome. The chicken Big Mac is pretty fuego. It's bomb. So just saying, if it rolls out in your town, try it. Then we meet the family that Stasha moved in with in high school so that she could finish up her senior year and play her varsity sports. Very cute family. They were super welcoming. I like the story of the dad not letting her come out to a guy honking. Like that motherfucker better get you out the door. Yeah. Hell no. No, absolutely not. Do not run out to a guy honking for you. I can see some people watching this scene, they might think this is very odd that you're sort of living with another family as you're going to high school. But honestly, not that crazy. Even in my life, my parents moved to basically two suburbs over or something. It was like 40 minutes away from our original high school. And my sister was already like in her senior year, super committed, friends. Like she's like, I am not fucking changing schools. And she basically just lived with her friends for that year. Yeah. I think it happens more than people realize. Then we move on to Kristen and Mitch and their meeting with Dr. Pepper. Kristen is immediately tearing up. Things have been going downhill. I, we don't really get to know fully why. I mean, we get the general sense she is losing herself in being in this relationship. But things are definitely getting worse. The exercise that Dr. Pepper gave Mitch is simple and still significantly better than the lack of any exercise for Ben and Morgan. He needed to say a string of words about Kristen. 
I didn't love hearing words like it was nice, but it wasn't maybe what you wanted to hear in the time. So brave, courageous. I mean, I think she wanted a different uh, types of words, but beautiful. Yeah. Loving, caring, thoughtful. I don't know. Sure. You could have thrown a brave in there, but don't always go on (laughs) that level. Generally, Kristen just wants to feel more validated. And I want that so badly for her. She deserves it. She's giving everything she has to this marriage to get such little back. And I feel in this exercise, that's the most talking that either one of them did. And then just Dr. Pepper talked to them the rest of the time. There wasn't a lot of groundbreaking happening. I mean, this all stems from even Mitch saying, like, it's been hard on me. And Kristen's like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? (laughs) Yes, you've done nothing. I'm doing all the fucking work. I'm doing all the compromising. We then see Kristen take Mitch to play softball. And we learn that Mitch did not play sports at all. The fact that Mitch is a surfer that requires a shit ton of balance. Oh, yeah. I'm amazed of how unathletic <laughs> he looks in this scene. But so natural in the water. Very, Isn't that very, crazy? Very weird. We learn that Kristen's parents were really tough on her, in particular her mom. She needed to be perfect in sports and grades. And then when she was old enough, she had to pick a job over softball, which is really shitty. Th- this is odd to me because it seems like at the start of that conversation, Kristen makes it sound like they were like sports parents, right? Like, you know, hey, you fucked up on the field. Like, you needed to fix this and that. Yeah. But then you were taking that seriously, but then you made her choose a job? It, that seems kind of weird. Or is it because you started a job? They're like, well, you started. But that's weird. Like, you started the sport, so should you finish it out? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think they just wanted to push her in everything. Just whatever she was going to do at that time. Did we ever find out how old she was when her parents got divorced? Oh, I'm not sure. Because now I'm envisioning, like, let's say they're divorced while she's in high school. So they're sort of two parents competing to sort of push their child more, I mean, which could I could see how that could be very unhealthy for the child. I could see that. Mitch then is showing photos to Kristen of his childhood. And he looks a lot like Heath Ledger as a young man. I don't hate to say it, but he was a looker. He was a looker. I'm just saying. I mean... After I saw that photo of young Mitch, I'm like, okay, I kind of, I can see it. He talks about the earthquake that he experienced with his brother and his father and that how his father's passing has really affected him. And he really regrets that he hasn't been able to share emotions with his father that he wishes he would have. Yeah, I can't imagine an earthquake and you're seeing things move, your fucking house, like shit in your house tumbling. We've been through one earthquake and I'm just terrified of natural disasters. And it wasn't even a bad one. So No, like super minor. <laughs> super minor when we were kids. And I would love to never experience that again, even though it was a tiny one. In Kristen's letter, she says, Remember when you were young and wanted to be perfect. Remember when you were striving to be the best. Soon you will realize you put too much on your plate. It's okay to not be perfect. Keep laughing. Hold on to your high standards, but give yourself grace for realistic expectations. Mitch's letter choked me up. Yeah, Kristen, your letter was fine, but Mitch's letter, it got deep. It was real sad. And it explains so much of who he is and how hard of a time he has processing. I feel like I understand him more now that I heard that letter. So his letter states, I can't give you any details because to do so would potentially corrupt the timeline. I know if you could see me now, you would be proud of who you have become. You are not a dragon slayer, but you try to make the world a better place. You're going to feel like you don't fit in a lot, 
like there isn't a group for you. It can be lonely. It's more important to be true to yourself. Being your own person makes you cool. Stay true to yourself. You will feel isolated a lot because you haven't learned how to process your feelings. You don't know how to admit you are scared or sad. You will be lost for a while, but you'll get there. Have faith. Take care of yourself. It, it was so touching because so many folks can see themselves in that letter. Not fitting in, not having a group, not being confident in yourself. Just kind of being lost as you grow up. Where do you fit in in this very big world? So it was nice to hear. It was nice to have him reflect on that specifically to hopefully he can make some connections there in, in what Kristen is asking from him. Fingers crossed, though, the next episode does not look promising, but we'll get to that. I'm, yeah, we'll get to, I'm like, how do, how do things change? Like, yeah, how did so we go fast? from, yeah, she's like, I don't even resent him anymore. We're going to move on. And then, bam, he's back to being a butt. <laughs> so then good old Alexis and Justin with Dr. Pepper. We find out Maya is not coming home. Trainer called, says she's still attacking. Told Justin to not even come pick her up. Alexis said Maya would be working hard out on the farm. I, I wonder if this was made to sound worse. Like, what if the trainer was just saying, just let her stay here a little bit longer for more training? I hope so, because the way they're saying don't pick her up and uh, she's going to be on the farm. Like, ever. Don't pick her up ever. Well, can I get a proof of life? Oh, I see. You I was not going there. You don't get to call me and say, hey, don't worry about your dog. Just leave her here. Well, you know, you can't have her or ever see her again. I was not going there, but okay. That's exactly where my mind went. You tell kids that the dog went out to a farm to live happily ever after. Why are we doing that to grown people? I'm just saying I would like some proof of life. As a viewer, I am invested. So the small theory there is that this couple is just not going to work and Justin's going to have this awesome video scene of him like reuniting with his baby girl. You know what would I be ideal? On decision day, Justin walks in with Maya, takes off his wedding ring, puts it on the table, walks away. Epic. That is some fucking epic writing right there. Get me on TV. I'm here to create drama. <laughs> no, but Maya's standing like fierce. She like, is trained and she is here to defend Justin. No, even better. He does like the command motions and like Maya like sits. Like, boom. Perfect. He's like, we're done. Perfectly trained. <laughs> perfectly trained. And we're done. Alexa seems uh, a little too happy. No, you know what that is? Hmm. That's a villain origin story. It is a villain oh origin God. story. Tree and Maya out to conquer the world. So Alexis is very happy during this time. A little too happy. I don't think it's a coincidence that Maya's not coming home and all of a sudden she decided she doesn't want to be mad and hurt anymore. So she's going to move on. No, no, she is happy she got her way and it's very uncomfortable. Can I play devil's advocate for a bit? You can. Now, I'm not the only one who said this. I saw this online as well, but uh, Justin, your dog is seven. You've had her since she was like four months old, six months old. Why didn't you get your dog into training earlier or I mean, accurate. Get, let your dog play with other dogs so you would have seen this a lot sooner? Or actually, if they played with other dogs earlier, wouldn't it be more normal? Maya does have a history of snapping at other dogs, so I think he tried to socialize her, but maybe he tried too late. I think... I agree, try to socialize, but also was like, yeah, I'm not going to like take her to like a training. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm that's good. hard. It's hard, and I can definitely see that point. Like, don't get me wrong, but I also, I need the sympathy for Justin giving her up for a woman he's known for four weeks. 
true I mean, since he's had sympathy. his dog for over six years. Yeah. And this wife that doesn't even really like him is here for four weeks. Like, it's just a weird trade-off. It's not even. Also, what happened to the friend taking the dog? Yeah, why isn't that a thing? I feel like the friend was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Maybe. Justin is showing Alexis around the park that he would play in. Now, we kind of learn more about the dynamic between Justin and his brother, how he was sort of a father figure to him and had to help raise him. His brother had a very figure it out type of attitude when Justin would come to him with questions or ask for help. And now all these dots are connecting in my head. This is exactly why he doesn't open up as much as he should, as much as Alexis tells him to. Specific example, when Newton was sick, Justin specifically said, I got it. I'm figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's true. exactly where that comes from. The way Justin describes his brother's parenting style, you can tell nowhere close to ready to have kids. Like, I mean, you don't, you don't have the foundation there experience. I mean, there's nothing there. I mean, he's basically just telling his younger brother, just figure it out. It wasn't fair for him to have to take on this role. The older brother, excuse me. So it kind of sucks, but it happens all the time. I mean, older siblings always have to parent a little bit, the younger siblings. So I get it, but I mean, it sounds like they've worked past whatever issues they were having before. They seem very close now. Alexis does not like that Justin likes to fly kites. Why was that so weird? I don't know. I they, don't they, think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, they, they live on a beach town. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? Isn't that like normal? I think that she took it as he's immature. So, I mean, she's even said before, I'm not going to coddle this grown ass man. So we know his sensitivity is an issue. And so maybe the kite is like, oh, that's another thing that makes you seem sensitive. Yeah, sensitive, childish, not ready. But I was surprised her reaction. I don't know. I don't feel like a kite makes you childish. Fun fact, Leon flies kites <laughs> when we're at the beach. <laughs> Let, let's just hypothetically, we're going out or I'm just hanging out with a friend. I'm like, yo, you trying to go fly this kite? Like, we're, we're at a place where people fly kites. Yes. Like, you trying to go fly a kite? And they're like, oh, that's stupid and childish. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, that's fucking dope. Let's go have a beer and just chill and fly a kite. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. People need to enjoy their inner child and and be happy alexis takes justin to go play basketball and she's good easy layups yeah true true justin not that good not so much but i feel like he pushes against basketball because everyone his whole life was probably like you should play basketball right so i I heard that sport i heard that as well in some of your other pods kind of like he's totally like fuck it against basketball (laughs) like i'm not gonna play basketball (laughs) i loved alexis's letter to herself it's entitled bag lady i inherited my mother's lips hips and hyperdependence i learned that i didn't need to do everything on my own it was then that i sought to facilitate an environment where people could openly and shamelessly ask for help an environment that would honor the little girl who once yearned for a safe space as seemingly mystical as the mythical characters that comfort her to sleep That last line. Beautiful. Oof. Snap, 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 snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> she says she's trying to break the cycle, and I would love to see her do it. It's got to be amazing going through a process like this. I mean, everyone is finding out their pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And just even Miguel, or I think Miguel was the one mentioning, like, oh, I thought I was this, like, super chill, nice guy. And, like, I guess I don't, <laughs> like, that energy I put off is not that at all. Now, did we not get a letter from Justin? 
I watched the episode twice. Like I went through my regular watch with everyone and live tweeted, and then I did a replay quickly. Is it bad to think he tried to read the letter and he couldn't get through it and they cut the scene? Oh, maybe. I just wonder what happened. Someone's going to comment about you fucking idiots. <sighs> it's at minute 45 and 30 seconds. We did get a bad review once for not knowing where Patrick lived, like what city in Texas. So I'm sorry. Please do not give me a bad review. I'll watch it a third time if I have to. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Lindy and Miguel meeting with Dr. Pepper. Lindy admits that she is still learning how not to be defensive. For example, she was pissed that Miguel told her not to put the spinach in her eggs yet. And she realizes that was probably an overreaction. Hey, the first thing is admitting you're wrong, admitting you uh, there are mistakes. So hopefully she is starting to learn from that. They have not said the L word yet, but this quickly changes. I thought it was weird that... Dr. Pepper asks, and then they say no, but it's almost like Dr. Pepper is saying, like, like really? Like, not yet? I'm like, it's only been, like, five fucking weeks. Exactly. It, it's fine. That's not... Worry about their other problems. Oh, I'm calling bullshit. Like, this same week, they say I love you. Yes. If we're believing the timeline. Lindy takes Miguel dancing. It's how she feels free, how she expresses herself, especially since she wasn't able to dance for basically her entire upbringing. Her first dance was essentially at her wedding day. I can't, I can't even process that. That's, no, same. It's so different to me. After dancing, they are at a candlelit table with the biggest plastic champagne flutes for their wine. <laughs> Heavy pours. I was actually proud, but honestly, I don't think they even drank any of it. I don't think so either. Lindy's letter to herself takes place as she is about 13, 14 years old. It's short and sweet, but she says, I am not sorry that you are homesick and being raised by your friends. You are out of a toxic home environment. You are exactly where you need to be, and I am so proud of you. Lindy had to do so much growing at that time in her life, so I cannot imagine the transition from never seeing your parents drink, never seeing them eating pork, never just such a rigid foundation, and then... Having it all shaken, you're off to school, friends are teaching you about the world. It's so eye-opening, I'm sure. I feel like I need more of a backstory on her. I mean, did she move away at 14? It sounds like she went to almost like a boarding school. Like, she did go away for school. Now now I'm even fascinated. To get through your doctorates, I mean, is it like scholarships? Did you work through school? I mean, Well, she says she has a very large amount of debt. Like loans, yeah. But just that journey, that journey seems really fascinating. I feel like we need more, more of Lindy. Miguel takes Lindy to the house of Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. I love how she will take any opportunity to roll those R's and put that accent on anything. So she was real happy to be there. He's showing her a map and telling her memories and stories of things that happen on certain beaches. And it's funny when she's like, yeah, 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 that. Like, she knows. (laughs) In Miguel's letter to himself, he said, You're going to go through some tough shit, but stay strong. What didn't kill you for sure made you stronger. Keep on keeping on. You will meet a babe you will totally fall in love with. And then he says it. He's like, Lindy, I love you. Uh, So cute. I love love. I mean, I told you this couple's making it. They're on my make it list. I think they're on mine too. I think so. I'll have to go back and listen. But I, I, they haven't had any real big conflicts in a while. What feels like a while in whatever maths universe. I think I only have is. two. I have them and Nate and Stasha. 
On the next time on, we see the infamous intimacy exercises. There are babies, plastic babies. Have they done this in the past? I don't feel like they have. I don't think so at all. So that will be interesting. Also, it doesn't seem like everybody gets a baby. Just from what they've shown us. Morgan and Ben will not be doing the baby exercise for they sure. They are for sure splitting custody. They, You're right. So, okay, I can see this certain <laughs> days, times. Okay, I got it. You have to transfer the kid. <laughs> Where's our drop-off spot? Mitch, out of seemingly nowhere, is pumping the brakes on sex. And I bet this makes Kristen feel very shut out. Very not attractive. Like, uh, you're just... Put at an arm's length, I feel like, if you're taking away something so intimate. I can't wait to find out what caused this. Yeah. Is it just Mitch in his head? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Then we see Alexis pulling back, and her and Justin are arguing once again. I can't wait to see how many babies are said during this conversation. This... Take a shot every time I say baby. This is going to be, I think, the conversation where you will really see Alexis start to pull away. Yeah. Like, we're not even going to pretend. Yes. Oh, my God. The couples retreat is going to be so fucking epic. If it every, is going to be good. If everybody ben goes. Ben and Morgan better if every, go. If everybody goes, epic. I'll be so upset if they don't go. I need to see this mess amongst the others. Then we see Stasha and Nate talking, and she still doesn't trust what he says. So I don't know what's going to make her believe him. Well, this one, it's got to be... It's got to be for the scene. They're, it, it's all working. They have nothing to talk about. All she can say is, he doesn't share enough or not as much as I want him to share. But it's He is like, working pretty hard. I feel like it's totally fine. There's no issues. It's just total bullshit. Then we have Morgan crying about trust again. So we have made no progress, which is expected. And Alexis can't say that she is ready to be married to Justin. It's not what you want to hear from your spouse who you are married to. Pull him back. Pull them back fully. Anything else on the episode? No, good stuff. I'm glad to hear everyone sharing. Their letters was really good for the most part. Everyone's yeah, letter was really, really interesting to see kind of their, their mindset as, as their younger selves. It was really cool. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you next week for Sister Wives. Thank you, y'all. Bye. Bye.